United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining me now is Dr. Kathleen Kunest, the Director of Gender Policy and Strategy at the United States Institute of Peace. She also leads the Institute's Grants and Fellowships Program. As a sociocultural anthropologist, Kunest brings scholarship and field experience into focus on the um, different gendered impacts of violence and conflict in men, women, and gender and sexual minorities. She has also co-edited the volume Women and War, Power and Protection in the 21st Century, and she has been a part of the international vanguard of introducing the concept of peaceful masculinities, which focused on inclusive gender analysis. She joins me now. Dr. Kathleen Kunast, welcome. How are you? Great. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Firstly, you know, knowing that there are really at least two active wars right now, we've seen the horrors and the targeting of women in particular and the violence that has ensued. Just at the end of last month, there was the U.N. Security Council resolution discussing women, peace and security as well. Tell us a little bit about what took place there and and why it's so pressing now. Well, let me start with the Women, Peace and Security Agenda, otherwise known as UNSCR 1325, is 23 years old. And this really is the foundation for understanding uh, what happens to women in war and how can we help women be more of an active participant in peace building. And so every year around the end of October, the Security Council meets on issues related to 1325. And again, it uh, echoed the problem of not enough advancement. One, not enough protection of women in war and not enough participation. It's really interesting to think about the way that gender has played um, into conflicts in particular. Maybe people don't understand, though. Taking a step back, why is it important to look at gender in conflict? Well, conflict, violent conflict, changes the rules of any society. It is urgent, it is a disaster, and it is a problem in terms of survival. And in those moments, the roles of a traditional binary society, uh, male-female roles, absolutely change. And so we need to understand how that change happens and what happens when finally there is some sort of peace treaty and the roles in which women play and the roles that men play. It's critical because sometimes in societies, actually the opportunities for women actually contract. There are fewer roles. They become even more traditionalized. Uh, War in one sense is a disruption and an opportunity for allowing more rights for women in society. So when you look at what's happening right now in terms of what um, not only raising the awareness, but what can be done, are there tangible things that governments are looking at collectively to address what's happening, particularly the U.N.? Yes, the U.N. has been very active in the sphere for decades. 
but they themselves just put out a report a couple of months ago. And again, it, it speaks to a narrowing of uh, women's rights across the world. Uh, and in that sense, an urgency, uh, a, a call out that we must continue to focus on um, improving these rights, allowing women uh, more opportunities for uh engagement in economic sphere, but also in the political sphere. That particular area has been of great concern because of the number of incidences of violence against women who are engaged in politics, and that I'm talking globally. How did the establishment of the International Criminal Court, for example, I think that was in 2002. Um, how has that changed the landscape of how people have addressed and talked about the violence that has ensued, the conflict-related sexual violence? Well, conflict-related uh, sexual violence uh, is a part of understanding that uh, this is a, a wartime crime. This was co codified in the Rome uh, statue which established the International Criminal Court. This uh, is really critical because it is the first global, if you will, legal tool in which to prosecute leaders of a military or other non-government uh, organizations of, of violence, if you will, um, to actually uh, expand the jurisprudence and begin to address gender-based crimes in conflict. Obviously, the, the most impactful would be complete and total deterrence of conflict-related sexual violence, but are there other tools available to try to address and, and also prosecute? Yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag because uh, collecting evidence in the midst of an active violent conflict is, is very difficult to do. We have a hard time during peace to collect evidence on conflict, on sexual violence, much less in a conflict setting. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we do have tools. They are more focused on the prevention of atrocities, and we consider uh, conflict-related sexual violence a form of an atrocity. Uh, and in that way, the other key part of the spectrum, Laura, is really knowledge, uh, educating ourselves, doing excellent uh, research. Among scholars uh, globally, they have established that this uh, particular crime of war, sexual violence, is not inevitable. It does not happen in every um, war. We want to understand when it happens, why it happens, how it happens, and how we can intervene and prevent it. So this is a, a field growing in understanding and uh, in scholarship. At the same time, we have many survivors of this crime, and we are learning from these survivors how best to address the trauma and uh, intervene on uh, dealing with uh, these kind of acts of violence uh, from a criminal perspective, addressing them in both national and international courts. We obviously can't do this in a, a vacuum or thinking the, um, theoretically when we are seeing 
the act of war and the humanitarian crisis spiraling out of control in, in Gaza. And we see a population, I think the statistics are, you know, half children in terms of those who populate that region. And there is a dawning of children born of war field of inquiry that's happening. So can you just explain a little bit more about what's going on there and, and how this relates to the present time? Uh, in terms of the children born of war, this is a particular uh, understanding that uh, truly the only criminal act that results in a, a baby being born is this uh, conflict-related sexual violence. What has happened over the years is beginning to really call attention to this field because it, uh, first of all, it often includes statelessness, uh, stigma, and many of these children face very specific psychosocial problems. So it's a recognition that uh, this uh, area of work is, uh, we have a lot more to do on it. And definitely, uh, you know, wars are horrific spaces uh, for children and uh, the impact of trauma for years to come. Mm. There is a, a deep concern that also violence begets violence. And if we, as a human society, uh, continue to solve our problems through violence, uh, you know, the, the outcome does not favor uh, peace, if you will. Dr. Kathleen Kunas, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Laura, for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.